Recorded on July 19th, 2022, Magnolia Conference. Welcome to the Push Ahead Podcast. The podcast is all about pushing the political conversation ahead, not pushing back. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Shelby. And I am Pamela. And we are here with my friend, Joanne Terry, candidate for U.S. Congressional Seat 8. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. Hi. And we're here to talk about what's going on in Brevard. But first, we got to get some elephants in the room out. (laughs) And of course, we're starting with our favorite Democrat mansion. Biden is considering executive action for climate change. Yep. Because what happened? He's considering it because Manchin just said no two days ago. There was a climate change bill that was, I believe, in committee or in consideration. And Manchin said, I won't vote for this climate change bill. It's too extreme. We need to focus on inflation. So Biden came out and said, all right, pass an inflation bill then. And meanwhile, I believe that Biden is drafting up an executive order to declare a national emergency and then undertake some sort of climate change measures via executive decision. But I also heard today, though, that they're trying to peel off at least one Republican in the Senate that will vote for it before he takes that action, because they're hoping that if they can get at least one Republican, they can call it bipartisan and it might have more lasting effect than just being overturned when the next Republican whatever gets elected. Who is the Republican, though? They're talking about a couple, right? They're talking about three that we always love to hear about, Murkowski, Collins, and uh, Romney. I think they were targeting Susan Collins first. I shouldn't say targeting. They they were talking to Susan Collins first. I got to believe cinema might go for something like that because of Arizona, because of being right there. Yeah. Well, cinema's name was never mentioned, so there was only Manchin that was holding it up. Uh, Although there could be because like Miami is being washed away by rising ocean levels. So I wouldn't be surprised if one or both of our senators from Florida got on the bandwagon when it was trendy for them to do so. Every year they can do one budget bill that only needs 51 senators to pass it. 51 votes because the VP gets to be the tiebreaker. Yes. So 50 senators plus VP. And because climate change is budget, they can get that through as one of the ones that you can You only need 51 votes instead of 60. A reconciliation packet. By the way, gas prices are falling. They aren't falling as fast as they've risen. 318 today. Yeah. You know what? They're still higher in Florida than any other state in the country. I paid three seventy nine today at Costco. They're higher in Florida than any state. People keep talking about Joe Biden owns the economy in the United States, even though it's a global problem. But Biden, DeSantis doesn't own it in Florida, even though it is a national problem, because the reality is Florida's got Florida's inflation is three, three points higher than everywhere else. The company average is around eight. Florida's is 11 percent. Yeah. And our gas prices are higher than anybody. Yeah. And it's let's not call it inflation because corporations more and more are using inflation as cover for price gouging and record profits. Absolutely. You can see it in the supermarket. But my favorite thing is that when gas prices rise, that's bad in Fox News's eyes. When right. gas prices are high, they continue to harp on it. And when they fall, if they fall slowly, it's bad for the mom and pops. The mom and pop. I was talking to I try not to be cynical. Y'all know me. I'm like not a cynical. I'm not wired that way. But I was talking to a family member who's a conservative voter and uh, and was mad about inflation or not about gas prices. And I said, this is the reality. Biden assigned more oil drilling permits than Trump did. And there's more access to oil for American drillers than ever before. And he said, well, why are the prices so high? And I said, because they make more profits. That's just a fact. Their profits are double what they were the year before. And he said, why would they do that? And I said, they like money. It's not just because they like money. No, this, this is the cynical thing because they were making plenty of money. They like Donald Trump because Donald Trump passes tax law that benefits them. And so they... Really, it's shocking and appalling and should be terrifying to everybody that corporations will manipulate your economy, your wallet, in order for you to vote a different way. Corporations are people. Disgusting. When one gets thrown in jail, I'll believe that. Speaking of thrown in jail, Steve Bannon (laughs) is in court for contempt charges. So what I really liked about that was that they said they were having so much trouble finding jurors that 
that that didn't think he was a scumbag. That they actually <laughs> I think had people to, like counted on that, but they had to settle for some that thought they could be impartial. Yeah, he's a scumbag, but I can be impartial towards the scumbag. I'm sorry. How is it? You got a subpoena. You didn't follow it. Jail. How is he not in jail already? And the reality is, I really think he's been holding out and making himself even more of a public scumbag because now he can say he can't get a fair trial. Yeah. No, but also the challenge is he wants to challenge the validity of Congress issuing subpoenas. If he gets a not guilty verdict, then the power behind a congressional subpoena goes nowhere. Unless he goes with the defense of, oh, I was confused about the date. Hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, ignorance of the law is not a defense of the law. Oh, I didn't know I could go that fast. Won't get you out of a speeding ticket. But congressional subpoenas aren't really, they don't have the effect of the law, right? That's the big question is what is the penalty for ignoring a congressional subpoena? The thing about the law is that the power of the law only goes as far as someone can enforce it. Either Somebody willing to enforce it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's the scary part is that If there's a law that nobody's going to lock you up for, it's not a law. If there's a law that nobody's going to charge you with, it's not a law. And that's exactly one of the problems right now with Congress, right? Because if Congress doesn't follow their oath of the Constitution because it's not quote unquote law or breaking the law, there's no way to hold them accountable. And even here in our local, I'm always talking about local things, that we have our public records law, which everybody in the country has to follow except for apparently Florida state representatives, because they write the law and they, they have exempted themselves from following it. It's insane. Yeah. And even all the time, I'll get to that later. Can't we right. sue because federal supersedes state? Who is responsible for doing that? Our state attorney. Do you know who our state attorney is? Not our state attorney general. Oh, her. Yeah. So that's part of the problem, right? That is the role of the attorney general for the state is to sue our legislature when, it, when they represent us, the voters. But Ashley Moody's not going to sue nope. because they're doing everything she wants them to do. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of being held accountable to the law, Georgia put Trump's fake electors on notice that they could be targets. They could be targets of a criminal investigation for going along with it. Yeah. So if this could be a big signal, because if it means that if the state of Georgia prosecutes the fake electors who in January 6th showed up and tried to say that Donald Trump won the election when he really didn't, if they were held accountable, then that could be a signal that Trump himself could be held accountable a little bit later on. Because it's easier to prove the actions of the Trump electors than it is to pin something on the president. Also, Rolling Stone gave us a lovely article saying that Trump is telling all of his friends that he needs to run for office so he can keep everybody out of jail. So next elephant, we got to acknowledge this, that 17 Democratic lawmakers, House of Representatives members were arrested outside of the United States Supreme Court for protesting. For choice. Yes. In light of the Dobbs decision repealing Roe v. Wade. Wait, they were arrested for protesting? Yes. yes. They were arrested. They expect to be fined, charged and fined. It's going to be on their record. Essentially, they got arrested so that way their protest would make local news and we would talk about it. Where if the Yeah, they stopped traffic. And so if the representatives who included AOC and Leon Omar. Yeah. And 15 others, if they just had a picnic in front of the United States Supreme Court, no one would hear about it. But they did their civil disobedience just to show that they were protesting it. And of oh. course, AOC said, yes, we can get arrested for protesting. But our fellow c- congressmen who helped aid a riot yeah. and an insurrection. They didn't literally participate. The yeah. Way. Can we get the insurrectionists arrested for trying to overthrow the... Truly, the First Amendment, like everything else, has just been trampled beyond belief. Yet it's us that's supposedly doing that, which mm-hmm. I... Anyway. And so speaking of 17 lawmakers... 17 is a magic number. Yeah, 17 is a good one, too. 17 abstained, 18 voted no. On um, what? Uh, Ukraine. I had, if you listened, I don't know, eight, ten episodes back, I had a fairly substantial rant. A master's course. And as a result, so Putin essentially said he was going to invade Ukraine because they were threatening to join NATO and he didn't want more NATO nations on his border. So they invaded Ukraine to keep that from happening. And then immediately after that, Sweden and Finland were like, hey, NATO, can we dial up? And that's going to like... (laughs) Yeah, that's going to like triple the amount of border that Russia shares with NATO countries now. And they're like, wait, can we go back? Can, can we, we? We'll take Ukraine, Dan. And- to keep relations with Putin okay, they agreed not to join NATO, but they'd have 
NATO protection per se. If, like, hey, yeah. yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah, because agreements with Putin's Russia aren't worth the paper they're written on. Yes. And this wasn't actually a vote to admit them to NATO. This was a vote to give them the ability to ask to be in NATO. Yeah, to apply. Like, it's nothing. Yeah, they went to like Indeed or Monster.com and submitted their resume right. to NATO. <laughs> yeah. And we have to say, yes, we'll let them submit their resume. Yeah. And what happened with that? A bunch of Republicans outed themselves as Russian agents yeah. <laughs> and said, no, we're not going to let these countries join NATO, which, I mean, is a net benefit for us. The thing is, they're politically stable. They are. I want Finland's education system. Yeah, they are. They are fairly wealthy. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. would love a Finnish sauna. <laughs> there you go right uh, but anyway how so about you joanne what would you want oh gosh i don't know swedish fish i was thinking Sorry. Swe- i was thinking swedish meatballs these republicans we don't know what they wanted and not doing it i'm actually looking it up right here and nobody has a reason they're just saying they voted against it the favorite three who just like to say no to everything the favorite three of Matt Gates, Marjorie Tarrett Green, and of course, the idiot Bobert. I think Trumpism in general, but Trump yeah. was against NATO, right? There's still that faction in the Republican Party right now that seems to be very isolationist, very anti-NATO, very, mm-hmm. we don't, we, they don't want anybody else in NATO because that's more people that we would have to protect. And they don't understand the big picture. They don't understand the true risk of having someone like Putin expand in I, Europe. I like your insight in that, Joanna. You're absolutely right that We keep forgetting that Trump was against any alliance, America first, and people are still claiming America first is a good idea, which is funny. We keep America first, but Americans last. I don't understand that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. Yep. And finally, out of Congress, they passed the Respect for Marriage Act. Yes, they did. The House of Representatives passed this bipartisan. It is a bill that codifies LGBTQ marriages as well as interracial marriages. It codifies the marriages that we exist today as a country. Yes. And so for people like me, who remember a lot of years when that wasn't the case, you could be married in one state. And if you moved to another state, you were no longer married. That's why it has to be. That's one thing that can't be left to the states because it's interstate commerce. it, It has to be because your health benefits, your death benefits, your everything about your life that just from a purely bureaucratic standpoint that goes to you being married doesn't exist from one state to the other unless we have federal right. law protecting that. So they did that today. And how many people voted against it? Oh, it was over 100 and oh, something. Oh, it wasn't 17. No, it was over 100 and something. Yeah. Yep. So it is a bipartisan bill, which gives me hope that this could move to the Senate and see bipartisan support. Who initiated this bill? Because they were brilliant to put it same sex and Pelosi and, and loving together in the same thing. Pelosi. She is brilliant. She is. She's protecting Supreme Court Justice Thomas's marriage, even though his opinion would strike it down. Yes. He did conveniently leave that court precedent out of his opinion. So what happens if this passes? When people hear codify, and Joanne, I'm sure you've done a lot of work on this running for Congress. What, how does that affect average Americans if something is codified, like if Roe is codified and if this protect, marriage protection is codified? My understanding is that it basically becomes the law, that, that you can, that it's the it's law. law that, that can't be overruled. Of course it, it can be overruled. It's going to be sued. The, someone's going to sue. Right. There'll be a state, just like with anything, there'll be a state that decides that they don't want to follow the law and they're going to sue that says, no, it's got to be states' rights or whatever. And it's going to have to go back through the whole legal process, I'm sure. But codifying it means Congress is saying, "Put it in code." Law. Yeah. It's okay. harder for them to. It's harder. But how for is that different Supreme... from what it was? Because it, it, before it went through the Supreme Court to, to become right. law, before, and now the just the legislature because saying. they were challenging Defensive Marriage Act, right. which was law. But going through the Supreme Court, I think when the Supreme Court says that no, it's a constitutional right, you don't have to codify a constitutional when it when they say it's constitutional right to privacy liberty over your own body. When that's a constitutionally protected, then you don't have to have a law for it. And that constitutional right supersedes any laws that can be passed at the state or federal right. level. Which is why we had not codified Roe until now, codified Roe until now, because constitutionally the, protected. Well, the Constitution protected it. So now it, codifying it will we're, will overrule that. Potentially. They did potentially, that. but the Senate's never going to go for it. Because the right Supreme now. Court could, right now. because the Supreme Court could strike it down and say that this law is unconstitutional. The, they could say that the federal government does not have the ability to overwrite states' rights rules to prevent abortion. 
And Manchin refuses to knock off the filibuster, so you'd have to get 60 votes in the Senate. And we've got three pro-choice, two and a half pro-choice uh, Republicans in there. Republicans who have nodded in the direction of pro-choice at one point in their lives. <laughs> yes. But, but those are Republicans that should be holding the two Supreme Court justices accountable for not being honest in their Senate confirmation You hearings. would think, except that they're Republicans. Yes. <laughs> that was a lot of elephants to get out of the room. And so moving on. Welcome, Joanne, to Push Ahead. I'm going to give a little background before we start talking. You can just riff and talk about whatever you want to talk about. But Joanne and I met a while ago. She was working on a congressional campaign and reached out to me about making sure we had somebody in that race. Wasn't going to be you'd had no no, no thought in your brain about being the person to run. We discussed the person you did suggest. But we have a history before that race, and I enjoy working with you. So tell everybody who you are. Thank you very much for that introduction. Yes. So... Yes, my name is Joanne Terry, and I'm running for Congress. And wow, that's like still, it still has to sink in. And you're absolutely right. I didn't expect to do it this year. I had it in my back of my mind because I did work on the congressional campaign in 2018 and learned a lot from that and also learned that we have a lot to do in order to move the needle here. And so I went to work for the League of Women Voters. I volunteered. I don't want to say right. I went to work. I volunteered for the League of Women Voters thinking that I really wanted to try to get the people here more focused on our issues instead of the party, because I really believe a lot of people here, they vote by the letter, uh, the letters behind your name, more than looking at the actual issues. We've discussed that in the fact that when people vote on issues, Brevard County supports the issues that we Democrats support. Yes. They voted overwhelmingly in support of raising the minimum wage. They voted overwhelmingly in support of Proposition 4, which was about restoring felons' rights once they have served their time. All of our issues, they vote within, and then they turn and vote for that R. And it's a challenge. So it's very... what would you think that you could take that challenge? So you're running for U.S. Congress. What so I'm running for running? U.S. Congress. So I pretty much decided to join the race when I was watching the 20th anniversary commemoration speeches of 9-11. And it was George Bush and it was Colin Powell and it was Republicans and Democrats coming together and talking about this threat of right-wing extremism and domestic terrorism. And I was working with the candidates and campaign committee and we weren't seeing anybody stepping forward. I says, I think I have the message. I think I I understand the issues and I think I know where to go from here to, to try to move this needle. And it really has to do with focusing on the issues. Because I live in Satellite Beach. I live in a very red area of a very red district. The majority of my neighbors at the time, they're actually becoming more Democrat as younger families are moving in. I, I just ran it the other day and I was shocked by how many Democrats are in my neighborhood now. But it's always been traditionally a very red area. And being an aerospace engineer, being in the aerospace industry, I always worked around a lot of Republicans. So I really feel like the everyday average Republican isn't really happy with what's going on either. But there's just been so much rhetoric and so much stereotyping, and especially during COVID, because in COVID, we all separated and we stopped talking to each other. We went into our Mm -hmm. echo chambers and started hearing about each other instead of talking to each other. And then when we came out of our COVID bubbles, we look at our new neighbors or even our old neighbors and we're like, are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? Because while we were in that bubble, there was an insurrection attempt. Exactly. And COVID was just out of control. And the whole mishandling of COVID and then the politicalization of masks and vaccines, things that would never have been politicized in the past. And so I really feel like we need to start talking to each other again instead of listening to what's being said about each other. And where I live, there are people who are very upset about the state of the river. So that's a big issue. And you move over into more towards the inland and you look at all of the issues going with all the infrastructure and all of the new apartments going up and our taxes, our utility taxes are going up while our county commission is giving tax breaks to businesses. And we have our representative, our current representative, who's voting against the infrastructure bill, against the Defense Authorization Act this last year. He's not at the table getting the money that we need down here to do the things that Everybody, regardless of political party, knows that we need to get done. So if I can focus on the things that we all can agree on and make progress on that, even though we all know we're always going to have areas where we disagree, right? but we focus on where we can agree, start to make progress, start to build those relationships again, and then we can start to move forward on even our more difficult issues, at least from a place of civility and respect 
and we can act like a healthy, functioning democracy. And the reality, what I hear you saying, first, let's start. You talked about being an engineer. So tell us a little bit about your background before this. You didn't wake up at 10 and say, I want to run for Congress someday. You had a whole career until now. Yeah, that's true. But I did retire in 2015 after 27 years in engineering. And as an engineer, I know you you told me you were a problem solver. Definitely a problem solver. I always did. And I always led big integration teams, especially when I was at Boeing. When my husband and I met, my, my husband was working at Harris. I was working at Boeing. And I was leading... Again, a, a divided household. Star-crossed lovers. <laughs> I know. There you go. And I was leading an integration team across five companies and leading an integration team with five, trying to get five companies to work on a single problem, a single issue takes a lot of that same compromise and diplomacy and messaging things to make it a win-win for everybody. You have to have those same kind of skilled skills. Exactly. And so I started getting interested in politics. I was retired, of course, when Donald Trump started getting involved in politics and that the whole thing just freaked me out. This is this. How can this possibly be happening? But I saw it happening. I saw a lot of it happening here, even early on when when Barack Obama was president. We had a friend We haven't talked to him now in years, but we had a friend. I couldn't believe my ears when one day he said, anybody who voted for Barack Obama shouldn't be allowed to vote in this country. And that was way before Trump. Yeah. And I was like, Trump didn't come out of a vacuum. And we have got to get better about that. Like, paying attention to the fact that this, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that when Barack Obama was elected president, it exposed a lot of underlying racism that people like me hadn't realized how bad it was. You and I have talked about that particular issue on occasion and that understanding somebody else's perspective is the only way to be heard by them. And if we are not heard by them, we will not affect change. I hear what you're really doing is localizing a congressional race. And I think that it's really easy to get distracted by the Lauren Boberts and the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world and think that's Congress because they happen to be serving in Congress. But they didn't get elected by me. They got elected by their districts. And so I hear you saying you're reminding voters of what your congressman is not doing for Brevard County because he's too busy. I don't know what he, I was, I've known people that have known Bill Posey for 30 years that think he's a super nice guy. I don't think anybody saw him being the first person to say we shouldn't count the votes. I don't even know why he's doing it. He has no political ambition beyond this. He's, you know, what is he like 89 or something? I'm making that number up. He's a Trump lackey. And I but guess why you know, most people why. are looking for power and he wants to cushion up to said power. But why? Because, because he, he wants to be safe. Because but there's no benefit to that. Because he thinks it's going to work here. He's not politically stupid. I think in the GOP in general, they see a succession plan. They think you have to start at the low level and then just like pose Climb the ladder. Representative Posey did. They do because they give each other permission to run. We saw right. that with Wayne Ivey. That's a later right. conversation. But I really believe that at the very basic level that our federal congressional representative should be representing the people here. Yes, there is a party aspect to it, especially today. But I don't think that we should be representing the big national party on any party over the district itself. So what would be the first thing you would take on? Well, I get asked that a lot. And it really depends on where things are in January, right? I really do believe strongly in codifying Roe versus Wade. People have said, what about compromising on abortion rights? And to me, Roe versus Wade was the compromise that we have lived with for 50 years and that it's the Republicans that basically backed out and said, no, we don't want the compromise anymore. They're the ones that are going crazy. And so if it's true that 63%, I say this a lot, if it's true that 63% of the country didn't want Roe versus Wade overturned, my fear is the majority of the other 37% live here. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, sounds about right. Or in North Georgia, where Marjorie Taylor Greene's from. So that's going to yes. make it very hard. This, to some degree, having all of this happen right now is very unfortunate for my particular race because it is not something that I wanted to focus on. Did you want to focus on? Because you got the floor. You're the only. I really wanted to focus on the Indian River Lagoon, like really having a good financial and legislative commitment to the long-term restoration plan and dealing with the infrastructure. I was down at the National Estuary Program last week, and they were talking to me about 21st century sewage treatment plant, that that there's a proposal to build in Titusville, that we could actually be the model for the entire nation on how to do 21st century 
Nice. Sewage. Yeah. So, yeah, I actually grew up in the town that I grew up in had a model sewage plant. And I remember taking field trips to it in South Jersey to go walk around and see sewage treatment because this was built in the early 90s and it was the model. And, it was and it's scale. probably the model yeah. we've been using ever since. Yeah. And it's about 30 years old now. And now it's time for a new one. So why not here in Titusville? That's great. Yeah. yeah. So I definitely want to be a seat at the table. And we need a really loud, a louder voice to get those funds, to get th that kind of legislation. I want to do, because our local county commission and county commission especially, isn't going to put into code like the low development impact, low impact development techniques. We can incentivize our developers through the tax code to do that, to help with our flooding problems. And there are things that we can do for the affordable housing also. On a congressional level. On a congressional level, because we need the federal funds. So right now, I really believe it's a team effort. It has to be the federal representative, the state representatives, and the local representatives, and the local organizations all working together as a team to bring all of the resources and all of the legislative and fiscal levers at all of the levels to work together to get to where we need to be. And we need that long-term vision of where we need to be, because we are growing like wildfire. And if we don't if we don't try to keep our infrastructure and our people, allow them to keep up with that growth, then it's going to destroy our, it's going to destroy our environment. And it's going to, we're going to have that big city crime sprees and all those things that, that they're so afraid of is the GOP policies are going to create them. Yeah. And for people who it's like, oh, no, I don't want to talk about the environment. I don't care about the environment. It's, I'm sorry, but we live in the environment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the environment is here. Yeah. So to create that kind of, team aspect that would require actually like being present in Brevard County occasionally, which I think Bill Pozier probably is present in Brevard County occasionally, but he's never out in public. When's the last time um, you had a town hall? 2009. Oh, he's been in that job for what, 14, 16? His first election was, I think, 2008. 14 years. 14 years yeah. And I remember that election very well. And his last town hall was a year later. Mm. And, uh, and they say it's because they're afraid of the opposition. However, it's Brevard County. There is no opposition. What is he afraid and, of getting too many hugs? And he will do. Yeah. He, exactly. He will do teletown halls. And on a teletown hall, you have to be invited to join it. And somehow I've never gotten an invitation. And if there's any opposition, the, and I know this to be a fact, this is not me being a conspiracy theorist, you get dropped off the call. He's also blocked opposition from social media. And when he is here, the only businesses that he's lobbying for are aerospace. And he's good at lobbying for them. He's brought a lot of money here for those industries. Absolutely. But meanwhile, our, what I hear, our environment, the lagoon, which everybody, that's an all-partisan issue, is... And it's the economic and it's, yeah, it's a, health, a public health issue and an economic issue yeah. and a growth issue because because the companies who need to bring people in to fill the jobs can't attract people because. Yeah, we're here. We are competing with up in, in Huntsville and in Alabama. We're competing with sure. South California. We're competing with out in Colorado, all of which are really nice places to live. And if this place gets much worse, we're not going to be able to draw new talent. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's really challenging for us right now is that we are not considered at the federal representative le level. We're not considered politically interesting. Hmm. Right. But yeah. e even if Bill Posey were at the table, I don't know if he could get a lot for us because money, unfortunately, money flows to where seats need to be turned or where they can be flipped. And we are not considered a winnable district. We're not viable district. Or a losable district. We're not. Want, the Republicans don't want to send money here because they don't need to. Exactly. Democrats don't want to send money here because they, they don't, don't need, need to. to so if we can flip this district, we're going to have leverage. We're going to have a lot of fiscal leverage. So getting back to the original question of what are the one of the first things I would do is use that leverage. Let's make a prioritized list of the things that we need and let me use that leverage of, oh my gosh, look what we did. If you want to keep this in 2024, then... Or if you want to recreate this in another red district in 2024. Right. Yeah. Then we need, you need to start paying some serious attention and make us, let us get some serious progress done in two years and show what Democrats can do. So you are in a primary race right now. That means that on August 23rd, or mail ballots actually start going out to voters this Thursday. So you'll be getting, uh, yes, today, actually, because mm -hmm. today's Friday. When you're listening to this, you're, you yes. should have gotten your mail right. ballot. In the next couple of days, if you've requested a mail ballot, so people can start voting for for our, for our school board races, if you live in a school board race, but also for our statewide, we've got partisan primary and everything except for CFO. And then our congressional race, we have a part, we have two women running for our congressional primary to be our Democratic candidate 
for Congress. That's correct. So tell us a little bit more about that. Okay. So yes, I am in a primary and I there, there are pros and cons to having a primary. And I always like to look on the bright side of things. And so it has been very positive because we had West 2 News did an interview with us. It hasn't been posted up yet. We were on Political Connections on Channel 13, Spectrum News 13, this last Sunday. Florida Today is doing a forum with us on Thursday. So we're getting the kind of publicity that we wouldn't normally get if there weren't a primary. I will tell you, as the party chair, you're two very smart women. Yes. Very different in your approach or your... But I am very proud to have two smart women vying for the same seat. Our primary has been, for the most part... Pretty friendly and pretty amicable, pretty professional. There's been a couple of little things here and there. And and I think people are turned off by that. I think Democrats are turned off by that. You've gotten a lot more attention to the race. Right. A lot more attention to the race. Because, again, you are both smart women and really care about issues. That I believe that the genuineness in both of you is totally. And it's really, it really is interesting because we don't get polling here. Because, again, we're not a politically interesting district. So nobody's going to come down here and poll to see who who's leading what in the polls. I think having the primary, because it is pretty, in my opinion, it is pretty clear that I am more in the center and she is more progressive. And that's how she would describe it too, because that's how we're obviously very positioned that way. So for me, it's, for me, it's progressive versus pragmatic. And it's going to be, how does our democratic primary voting base want to move forward? And I think that's really the choice. And I'm, I think, obviously, I believe I'm the better choice to move forward against Posey with my message because I think I have the broader appeal for swing voters. But I will respect whatever our Democratic right. voting base decides and support whatever they want to do and move forward with. So I, as the party chair again, I love that you're both committed to working hard for that. It's just, it's a, it's just great. You're also doing the, when they go low, we go high. They both are. Right. They they both are. And they both are aware of their positions. I don't know where, I don't know where you actually personally stand. I know you're campaigning from the middle because you believe that's what this district deserves. And Danelle is campaigning from the left because that's who Danelle is to her core. And I think that they're, the voters will turn out. And I think you really believe that's, I know that it is. I've always been a moderate centrist to my core too. So I think we're both campaigning from a place of honest authenticity. And that's, and if nothing else, then I think that will show through. Honestly, it blows my mind, the confidence the candidates have. I'll tell you my secret for that. I don't think that I would have this confidence if it wasn't. I have a core campaign staff of nine people now working full-time, literally we still text at midnight and I have the ones that text with me at midnight. And then I get woken up at 7 a.m. by the latest Twitter, whatever. And I feel like a responsibility to those people. Now, I don't feel like I am doing this for myself anymore. I feel like I am doing this for the people who have donated to my campaign or contributed to my campaign. I have literally 30 volunteers right now working on the campaign. And it's I feel like I'm letting them down if I don't go out and just suck it up and act like I'm not scared. To <laughs> Maybe that's because of my background, because of. Being a woman starting in engineering when yeah. I was At the time when you did in the mid-80s, I had to fake a lot. And I think maybe I learned to fake it. And maybe I shouldn't even admit this, but there will always be self-doubt. But at some point, you just have to say, you know what? Oh, well. And just do it anyway. And your husband's a Republican. He is a, he's a rhino. He's a rhino. What's your favorite part of campaigning? Right now, surprisingly enough, it's meeting people. Oh, like the conversations at the doors that I keep telling everybody that's where it matters. At the doors. So I was in Indian River County last Friday because their mail ballots went out last Thursday. And the congress- your congressional race um, is all of Indian River yeah. County, all of Brevard County and a, a little sliver of Orange County. And just the people that you meet and the stories that you hear. And, and now that I have this let's be neighbors again on all of my signs and everything, when I go to the fairs, when I'm in Faro Beach or I was at Christmas in July and... People come up and it's they want to be mad at me, but that is so disarming that they can't. And we can have genuine conversations. So what she's talking about, y'all, because it's a podcast, not a video cast. Yeah. I'm looking at her. She brought us fans. I'm going to say you brought us fans. Yep. She and did. it says, I'm a Joanne fan. Joanne Terry for Congress, F-L-O-A, JoanneTerry.com. Let's be neighbors again. And that's what my yard signs say, too, because like that. that's basically says it's extending the handout that says, okay, Look, we're never going to reach 
the, however, hopefully small percentage of far-right extremist people that we're never going to reach. But there are all of these people in the middle that just are tired of it, are tired of the extremes. So I think you've been accused of pandering to Republicans because, because of that. And I'm going to give you an off-ramp for that. I've talked to Shelby and Jamie about the fact that our Republican neighbors are not our enemies, that our Republican elected officials are pretty much like way beyond opposition. They really are bad humans, but our neighbors are not. And I, we need to give people permission to be who they be and be in our space. And change their minds. Yeah. Because these are people like one of my best friends is an evangelical Republican who has voted for Trump. And when I win the primary and I go to the next phase, I'm going to be doing endorsement commercials and I'm going to have endorsement commercials from people like that who are now working on my campaign because they know me, they trust me, and they're tired of the lies and the misinformation. And they've woken up from being conned by all of that. And they said, whoa, hold on. That's not now I get it. But if we go and if we tell these people that you're bad people because of how you voted before, they're not going to see us as a viable alternative. Do they consider when they look at you, do they think that you're going to vote a way that they would want you to vote? Not always. Okay. Like they know. Like they don't want to codify Roe. I think that when I say Roe versus Wade is the compromise, I think that's really true. And I think that we can get more support by codifying Roe than if we tried to codify a, a, something that was like, there are people who really honestly believe that Babies are being ripped out of women and killed in the delivery room. We've got to deal with that kind of rhetoric and misinformation and propaganda yeah. before we can move more the way we would want to move. And that's what compromise is about. Not it's not you're not compromising your values. I'm just you're trying to, to get have things a conversation done and find out where we can agree so that we can get things done for issues like our lagoon. Any other issues that are important to you? The infrastructure. And also the whole housing issue with the property taxes. But the other thing that's super important to me is the uh, discrimination and the hate in this community is just, I am just astounded by it. It really took me by surprise in 2008 and 2009. And I moved here from Los Angeles, from the Los Angeles area in 2004. And I always thought that as we grew, that we would become naturally more diverse. And as we became naturally more diverse, we'd become naturally more tolerant and accepted of our differences. And just the opposite has happened. And I don't think that we can sit by and just assume it's going to get better on its own. I think we need to proactively address it. And I had this conversation with some people recently also, because a lot of that has to come from within the white community, because the problem is within the white community. And we've really got to have some real targeted Within efforts. The white community, people hate one another. It's the glee with which they hate. It's just. Yeah. It, yeah. But we have to have a real plan, a real strategy to address it from a lot of different angles, because otherwise we're going to become the ground zero of the civil war. I believe we already are. Yeah. It's are. Gonna, then it, it'll get worse. And I, I still think we can, can walk. Happen. I still think we can walk it back. And maybe that's just maybe I'm being naive, but. I'm not willing to give up on it yet. That's why we moved back here. I can't give up on my hometown. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a perfect segue to our next segment, which is local stuff. So let me see. Should we start with the 4th of July or should we? Okay. So here I am enjoying my beautiful, peaceful time in North Carolina mountains and the city of Palm Bay, the largest city in our county where the mayor is a quote unquote veteran because he did serve three and a half years in an administrative post in the army. I don't think he ever saw combat. And he uses that, and he's actually also the military liaison for Bill Posey's office. So this all ties in together. He is the Veterans Affairs liaison. And they made this thing, this agreement with the city council last year that all the members of the city council could choose three people a year to honor with a flag that's flown over the Palm Bay City Hall, a veteran or a first responder. The first one was honored at the 4th of July celebration for the city of Palm Bay. Randy Fine was on stage with it and totally supportive of this concept. And I will tell you, the mayor ran it by the city manager and the city attorney, both of whom told him not to do it. Hmm. He didn't discuss it with the other councilman because that would violate Sunshine Law, but he did run it by the city manager and they said no. He chose to honor a known and confessed and sentenced war criminal. With a flag. You didn't hear this, Jamie? I did. I didn't we hear didn't that. We didn't know war. I heard the dishonorable. He, is a war- he was dishonorably discharged from the military after he was 
There were four Iraqi detainees. This is in the war in, in Iraq. Four Iraqi detainees that were bound and handcuffed and blindfolded. He and two other people, his commanding officer, thought that if they were released, they would end up killing Americans in the future. So they shot them in the head and killed them. Bound, blindfolded. He confessed to murder, to premeditated murder, was sentenced to Leavenworth and stripped of all of his. He's no longer a veteran. There is no veteran if you're just on a discharge. You are not a veteran. Right. And that's the man that Rob Medina chose to honor with a flag that flew over the city hall. Hmm. In the middle, in the front of the entire city. Not a quiet presentation. Did this whole honoring him talking about. And when he first came back from Leavenworth military prison, where he had served part of his time, he's on, he's currently on probation or parole. Bill Posey had this big post welcoming him back as if he just came back from the desert. No, he just came back from Leavenworth because he had been sentenced for war crimes. Now, I, as the daughter of military, as a naval aider, the granddaughter of a naval surgeon, it just, I was sickened because there's a reason we joined the Geneva Convention and that's to keep all of our active duty safer in the wars so that if we can say that's okay, then what would keep somebody from shooting our bound and blindfolded? Now, and we know people do that, but they're not members of the Geneva Convention. We are members of the Geneva Convention. We honor these agreements and he didn't. So that happened during the 4th of July celebration. And I talked to, we have a veteran, a Democratic member of the city council. He's a veteran, served in combat. I'm Randy Foster and he was devastated as well as a good friend of mine who's also a decorated war veteran. They were just devastated. Yeah, you don't honor murderers. Yeah, war criminals. Like not just murderers, but a war criminal who puts all of our military in danger. That's why it's a war crime. And Randy was furious and he said he's going to demand at the city council meeting that they go get the flag back. The newspaper, meanwhile, interviewed the mayor who said, well, quoted in the paper, it's not a murder technically. He confessed to premeditated murder. It is a murder. When you shoot somebody in the head who is blinded, blindfolded and bound, that is premeditated murder. And he confessed to that. It is literally murder. Well, to their base, that is not murder. But he just, the mayor doubled down on it. And then again, was offered the opportunity to say, gosh, maybe I made a mistake. And again said, no, he didn't make a mistake. So to give credit where credit is due, Mr. Mayo did return his flag as well as his uniform to the city of Palm Bay. Now the city of Palm Bay is probably not going to keep his uniform. That's not their job. That's not their thing. But meanwhile, this man... Served his time, part of his time, and probably just wanted to come home and live a quiet life. And he has now been made. And somebody tried to accuse the press of ruining his life and his wife's life and his children's lives by making this public. He chose to say yes, and he chose to accept this publicly. And if anybody should be blamed, it's Rob Adina, the mayor of Palm Bay. Yeah. Who is, who knows this? Like he's not, he's a veteran and the veterans liaison for Bill Posey's office. And made this choice. And Bill Posey hasn't said a thing about it. I do think it's really bad. And one of the things Bill Posey will always say that he's strong with the veterans here. And when he turns around and does something like that. Yeah. That just has to be a red line for so many people. Yeah. There's, we do not honor those with dishonorable discharges. Like, it, it is so easy to get a discharge ratcheted up from, like, the military doesn't like having dishonorable yeah. people out there. So, It is so easy to negotiate and reach for an other than honorable. Yeah. Like it's, you had to be like, I don't know, maybe a confessed murderer. Yeah. To get a court martial. And what I didn't realize, because court martial is simply the process. A successful court martial leads to dishonorable discharge, but court martial is simply, you've been, it's like a subpoena, but he was charged and he's not a veteran. I didn't realize that if you've been dishonorably discharged, you don't get any veterans benefits. So they couldn't even be honored with that flag anyway. He doesn't um, even get the discount at SeaWorld. Because <laughs> he's not a veteran. That's why I said Mr. Mayo. I didn't, he's yep. not a, has no rank in my eyes. So that was that thing one. Thing two is super fun. Gosh, which is thing two and thing three? So this weekend we were in, or in Tampa with all the Democratic, the elected officials, the people in the party, any Democrat could have gone. It was really an awesome event. Leadership blue. And I will say that my friend Jennifer called Manny, our state chair, and said, we need to talk about education. So we had a special press conference Friday morning because it wasn't even across the street, y'all. It was like this narrow, tiny street and the hotels share a sky bridge. Like when I got on the elevator, the advertisement in the elevator was for the restaurant at the Marriott across the street, which is where Moms for Liberty is having their national summit featuring 
Ron DeSantis, Casey DeSantis of Mamas for DeSantis, Betsy DeVos, and Ashley Moody. Was this the event that she gave the speech at that she said that we shouldn't have a Department of Education? I believe so, because it was all about education. And here's the alley. Ron DeSantis thinks that this is a winning art. And I'm just telling you, it's not. Schools are an all-partisan conversation. It's not Republicans send the kids to schools as well as anybody else. Florida is currently, while Ron DeSantis is out bragging about surplus in education, we are ranked 48th in the nation for teacher pay. So there are two states in our nation that value teachers less than Florida does. Mississippi and West Virginia. We're 43rd in spending on education entirely and 48th in teacher pay. And so anyway, we did this, Jennifer did a great press conference talking about wage compression and how Ron DeSantis has created this crisis. There is almost a thousand between teachers and support staff, a thousand shortage in our state. So we're about to open 30 days with revolving door of substitutes. So we were a little concerned because we had no idea what to expect. There was a protest every day in front of it against moms. There wasn't a protest against the Democrats. Protest against Moms for Liberty. There was a pro-life protest, pro-choice protest against Moms for Liberty. There was a gay pride protest against Moms for Liberty. And Ron DeSantis is talking about woke math. Thing three, Wayne Ivey. So he put out the other day his endorsements, the Ivy League. And this is his quote with his endorsements. Trust me when I tell you that if you only knew half of the stuff I know about what is taking place in our schools, our courts and Congress, you would lose your mind and ask how we got to where we are. I'm sorry, but let me ask you a question. Our schools, 80% of school boards in the state of Florida are Republican led. 80% of our school boards are in majority Republican school boards. So there's our schools, our courts, Republican, our Congress, our state legislature, Republican, and our Congress has been local representative. So you're right, Wayne. I'm losing my mind. And it's over the people that you got elected. Then he said, to be fair, what's going on in the world is our fault because we just sat back and took it. You're right, Wayne. We did. We Democrats just sat back and took these people that you have continued to send to represent, to quote unquote, represent us. So here's who he's endorsing. It's funny that he's saying this, like, we have got to take it back. So I'm going to endorse Governor Ron DeSantis. More of the same. Current incumbent. (laughs) Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody. More of the same. Florida Ag Commissioner Wilton Simpson. More of the Actually, same. Actually, he's not. Worse. He's, he's the Republican running. Oh. Florida Chief Financial Officer Jim, Jimmy Petronas. More of the same. U.S. Senator Marco Rubio. More of the same. U.S. House District 8 Bill Posey. More of the same. Florida Senate District 19 More Debbie Mayfield. Can you I got put it. this on a button? Yeah. More <laughs> of the same. I'll repeat. Every single person until you don't have an incumbent where he's endorsing Tom Goodson for County Commission District 2 and Rob Felter for County Commission District 4. So let's digress from oh and the school board he endorsed megan wright for district one courtney lewis for district two and katie campbell for district five if you're listening to this podcast if wayne ivy has endorsed them you don't like them yes so these are his endorsements and he's saying it's because we need change while he's supporting all incumbents what happened was he finally found two republicans with a freaking spine because he endorsed, he endorsed in County Commission District 2. And now, and if he's endorsing in County Commission, it's because he knows that his endorsement is worth gold. And he knows that he's then going to come back to you when you're elected and say, hey, will you bust the spending cap that the citizens have put in place in Brevard County and approve my budget without it? And no, I'm not going to show you the budget. I'm not lying, you guys. We haven't seen a budget from Wayne Ivy for about six years. But it gets busted. The cap gets busted every single time because his endorsement gets them elected and then they owe him. So for County Commission District 2, he has endorsed, what's that guy's name? Tom Goodson. Rich jerk. He used to serve in the state house. But he went to Chris Hathaway, who's a current first responder for the city of Cocoa, who's also running for County Commission, and asked him not to run. Promised him a job on Tom Goodson's staff if he wouldn't run. Yeah. Did the same thing for a school board candidate for District 2. He asked Sean Overdorf to not run and promised him a job on Tom Goodson's staff if he wouldn't run. First of all, who's the sheriff to offer a job to the county commissioner? I don't know. That sounds like a lot of influence to me. So, and these people have come out to the paper and said they were offered job, which is actually potentially a felony because there's money involved. He actually yep. quoted a salary of $50,000 to these people. We should send in the sheriff's office to await. Oh, yeah. Hasn't he been accused of this in the past? He's always done this, but nobody has ever come out and talked about it. And he never does it by text. Like we found Randy fine because he finally was cornered in the West Melbourne thing. Rain will call you in the middle of the night and chew you out and scare you and threaten you. Um, but this time he found two people that said, no, I'm going to talk about this. It's really weird. 
because Chris Hadaway actually said, I have all the respect in the world for the sheriff who just tried to bribe me to not run. I don't get that. No, but but what's going to happen? I would look at this list of people he endorsed and vote for anybody else, because every single one of these endorsements potentially has people that he has talked out of running for office. And we know this like he's they have said and he won't answer about it. Bill Mick tried to have him on the show to talk, but he said, I won't address a Florida Today article. We are in a downward spiral, as he says. Florida's inflation rate is 3% higher than the rest of the country. We rank 48th in average teacher pay and 43rd for education spending. So we are in a downward spiral. But Wayne, your prescription is completely wrong. Okay. We're in a downward spiral because of the people that you yeah. keep endorsing. So when do enough people step up and finally say, And that's say, the thing. Is enough. We, yeah. We've been trying to... If you're listening to this, people keep asking, what do we do? If you're listening to this and you are moved, letters to the editor, repeated letters to the editor. What happens is Wayne is really good at timing. He's not up for election for another two years. Yep. So he thinks this is going to go away. We have to let them know it is not going to go away. We have to continue to remind people this is not good. Don't vote for anybody he's endorsed. Yep. Not because they're Republicans, but because they're tied to him. Don't. That's the first thing. Make him lose. And the second thing. Let everybody know, write letters to the editor, continuously putting that pressure on that this is not cool. This is not who we are in Brevard County. We're not going to stand for it. We're not his little fiefdom. He wants Donald Trump back in office so badly because he was in the press all the time. And But that's what I fear is not enough people know that. And the only way they're going to is if we continue to put it in the public mind. And that's part of my job, right? Social media has limited it. Uh, but it does, it's out there. So if you're listening to this, share this with your friends. This is literally boss hog. This is Alabama in 1955. Yeah. And to have an endorsement by Ron DeSantis to run for school board, you have to say, I will blankly support your agenda no matter what it is. And I don't put resegregating schools beyond Ron DeSantis. And Megan Wright did that and received Sheriff Wayne Ivey's endorsement. So these are bad people. And he's bribing people to not run against them. Good Republicans, the people he's, both of these men... And there are others that haven't come out yet, but both of these men are Republicans, both former police officers, both former law enforcement, both former military, and he's bribing them to not run, offering them paid jobs to not run so we can put his chosen flunkies in place. We just have to remember to remind people the truth and what we're speaking. So when in my text banking, I've been text banking for all of our school board candidates. I think I sent, think 30,000 texts in the last four days personally, and when people say, how does she stand on CRT and gender identification, gender education? My response is, I think she, we believe in following state statute. CRT is not a part of our state curriculum. And we do believe that history should be taught correctly. And we think that all children have a safe place to live. So we just have to remember our safe place to study, to talk about what we do stand for, not just what we don't stand for. And we can do this. It takes a lot of people like Joanne stepping up and saying, I'm going to run for a hard race. And Joanne, had to be frank. We've had this conversation. Nobody thinks she can win. And she hasn't backed down yet. And not that she can't win, but nobody thinks that somebody can beat Bill Posey. And every time I hear from you, I get more convinced that we can win this race. Yeah. And it's also a definition of success. I am successful just being in this race because winning is the ultimate goal. And I do think that we get a little closer every time. And I think... And eventually it's going to be there. Why not now? Something's going to happen. Why not now? And I'm definitely going after that. But even if we don't win... Just having the representation and the conversation and having the be showing up and being there and having the other however many percentage, 49.9 percentage percent of us being represented is important. It's very important. And it's a whole nother topic, but I really do believe we also need to have this discussion about how we always seem to be on the messaging defense lately. And we need to figure out our offensive messaging. And get ahead of it. And I have some ideas for that here locally for this particular race. But I think even on a national level, we need to get some offensive messaging. So we're not constantly. And if I could get the state to listen to me. And actually, they are. I know. I I got a lot of influence this weekend. We talked a lot about messaging because I I happen to be on a panel that they got to listen to. But you're right. That's what this podcast was birthed out of me calling somebody and saying, we have to start talking about education and being told. Yeah, there are Republicans that got this messaging. We need to figure out how to push back. And I said, I'm tired of pushing back. Let's push ahead. And I just want to say, because I really appreciate you all having me tonight. And I really appreciate the kind words that you have said. But I want to return that and say, it is amazing what you have done with the Brevard Dems over the past couple of years. Literally, in 2020, we had over 80% 
of Democratic turnout. And we go to the meetings and the county commission chamber rooms often is like full, right? And we have volunteers out there and you're reaching hundreds of thousands of doors. Thank you. And I just think it's amazing. And so I just want you to know that we, the candidates, really appreciate what you're doing as well. I'm going to cry. Thank you. That means so much because I just try to give everybody a place to be home and try to get the work done. Again. Elections are hard and there's always going to be contention and there's always going to be that elections are hard. And try. But that's the really neat thing about being part of the Democratic Party, about being Democrats, because we still allow all of this dissension yeah. it's to our benefit, but it's also to our peril because right. we don't just fall in line. One of my volunteers says it to me almost every day. Democrats fall in love. Republicans, Republicans fall in line. In line yeah. And that's what makes them so successful. But it's what makes us so important to democracy. Yeah, I'd much rather fall in love than fall in line. I, yep. I, that's why I don't ever tell somebody that they can or can't do something ever. I, actually, I have told people they can't say things. At some point, we have to make absolutely sure we don't lose our vote or make sure our vote still counts because that's the most dangerous thing of all. We can sit in these podcasts all we want. But if we lose our ability to have our vote count, we no longer have a say in government. And we've got to stop that. We've got to figure out. And that's why we need to vote blue, because it's about to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, folks. So what we got coming up is, and thank you, Joanne, that meant a lot. What we have coming up today, we are out hanging door hangers for Democrats and left-leaning NPAs that have mail ballots. The danger with mail ballots is hot voters get their mail ballot, they fill it out and they mail it back in. And they don't know who to vote for school board. And therefore, we've lost that vote. And this is critical. The school board race in District 1, where we are supporting Misty Belford, will be decided in August. The school board race for District 5, we're supporting Kim Huff, will be decided in August. And the school board district for District 2, where we're supporting Aaron Dunn, could be decided in August. We have to. These are Moms Liberty fighting grounds. Their opponents want to arm teachers. They want to ban books. They want to take over the schools and really just change the way our school system looks entirely. So we're door hanging door hangers today while you're listening to this. If you are not hanging a door hanger while listening to this, then fix that. Go to BavarDems.org calendar slash calendar and you can find our events. Did I hear that correctly that we want to send people out to talk to hot voters? Yes, only the hot voters. It's going to be hot talking to voters. When anybody says, who are the hot Dems? I'm like, I'm a hot Dem, baby. We're doing that on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and hopefully we'll finish doing that by Monday, but we will keep going until every Democrat and left-leaning MPA has our door hanger. That door hanger has Joanne's face on it because in August is also when these voters get to decide who they want to represent them in the fight against Bill Posey. But our school board races are not partisan. They will not have a party designation. And an NPA can vote in our school board race and they can't vote in yours. So they can definitely vote in that. So that's why we're focusing on that for our door hangers. Your face is still on there too. So that's right now. We need your help. 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 And then Wednesday night is our monthly Democratic Executive Committee meeting in the County Commission Chambers in Vieira. Joanne just told you it's a room full of happy people, hot Dems, every single one of them. <laughs> and, and it's really one of my favorite, favorite things ever. And we have two guests speaking, I think. I think Naomi, who is running for commissioner of agriculture, will be there. And Sonia Millard will be there to represent the Harry and Harriet T. Moore Center because it's Independence Month. Like Fourth of July just slept by because I was gone. So we've invited her to come speak about that. Because again, talk about voting rights. These people literally died. For our right to vote equally. And then we will be back on the pavement talking to voters about the primary elections because after we've got the mail ballot pushed, we'll be talking to people and trying to encourage them to vote early. So what you can do right now, if you're listening to this and you're not local to me, we're going to be doing phone banking to support these races with a voter ID plan, asking people how they're going to vote. Are they going to vote by mail? They're going to vote early or on election day because people then will see themselves voting. So if you want a phone bank, you can go to brevarddems.org slash calendar and you'll see our events uh, or you can just contact me directly at chair at brevarddems.org. That's easier than telling you my other email, which is pamela.castellana at brevarddems.org. And that will not find me because I'm not spelling it. You can, if you're not local to us, you can phone bank with us. If you're local to us, there's nothing more valuable than that door hanger conversation. If you can't walk, then you can drive. It's actually the one time I love having a driver in this situation because I can hop out of the car, drop off six door hangers, get back in the car and drive to the next block. You can stay air conditioned. I'll breathe the heat. That, there's no more important time for you than this weekend until the weekend of August 20th. And that's it. All right. Again, Joanne, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Joanne. Thank you all for having me. Bye. Bye. 
If you got something out of this and know of anybody who cares about what we're saying here, please share. Word of mouth is everything in the grassroots game. If we're awesome, tell a friend. If we're not, tell us how to get better. This has been another episode of the Push Ahead podcast. Please reach out to us via Twitter at push underscore ahead or subscribe to our podcast in your podcatcher of choice. You can find relevant links to the stories that we're talking about in our liner notes on our website at pushaheadpod.com. The music is Super String Theory by Lobo Loco. 